Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. It's Rob this time because David's taken a week off. So hi, I'm Rob. My net pronouns are he and him. Oh shit, that means it's me. Oh no. <laughs> We've, the system, our precious system has immediately fallen over at the first hurdle. I'm Alistair and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. Uh, and you may have heard already in the background, we have brought a very special guest on. Jordan is back. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I like how I'm in the background, so I'm just sitting in the back of the room while you record an episode or something. <laughs> well, while we were recording the intro, we silently wheeled you to the front of the room so that you could then be near the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those Silence of the Lambs situations where we've just taken <laughs> off the mask. <laughs> I am Jordan, my pronouns are he and him. <laughs> let's just dive straight into it um it's a, a new age has begun we are now in the age of liz truss uh and her cabinet of wilding out freaks it's really fucking something britannia finally gets to be unchained so yeah we've we've got jacob reese mogg at energy and climate which is incredible because he doesn't believe climate change is real and he wants to have more north sea oil and gas uh, extraction so that's that's going to be a fucking fucking A grade winner, um, and I think I couldn't remember whether or not last year during our um, award ceremony she won or she was the runner up for the worst cabinet member in the Boris cabinet. Therese Coffey is now deputy prime minister and health secretary. She, by the way, doesn't believe in abortion rights and was is or now was uh, still hiding DWP reports about disabled people dying on benefits. Um, as recently as last week. So much to look forward there. Just a, a very deserving of a promotion then. Mm. I mean, she's still hiding them, so she's doing a great job. If you're a Tory, that's the kind of stuff that gets you to the, to the top of the tree. I think she was also just implementing rules that even if you were disabled or very sti- sick, you had to show up in person for like work assessment shit. It is fun to be rapidly approaching, like, the, the cruelty singularity. It really is. Yeah, we are rapidly progressing uh, that way, for sure. Uh, and also because we've got Suella Braverman uh, at the home office. I think she might give Pretty Patel a run for her money, given the way she's been fucking acting in, in, in the last everything she's ever been involved in. Well, she's got a very vicious, tiny pair of boots to fill, hasn't she? And over at the DWP, somebody I had no idea of before, uh, Chloe Smith, who just really loves welfare cuts and just can't stop voting for them. Oh boy, here I go cutting welfare again. (laughs) We don't have welfare. Like, there's nothing left to cut. I, I think you'd be surprised, Jordan. I think they will always be able to, to, to find something to cut for you. And, I you mean, know. Assume, at some point they're going to implement the policy of asking for a second bowl of sludge means that you're just going to get shot in the face. And then, we'll, then we truly will have approached and entered the cruelty singularity. But this is, this is the thing is that they keep trying to compare trust to Thatcher. Mainly because she's a I woman, mean, I think. But Also, trust keeps trying to like evoke that weird cargo cultish uh, attitude yeah but yeah no, uh, thatcher came at the end of it's about 35 years or 34 years or whatever it was of the post-war consensus of building the state up so there was plenty to cut and privatize and like, what's left at this point lots of larping and cosplaying what they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna cut government funded larping <laughs> well they're gonna they're gonna be um giving the money that they cut from the government-funded LARPing directly to Liz Truss so she can dress up as Thatcher even more. 
<laughs> now they're going to give it to like a, a, a Thatcher Lopping company run by a Tory donor, and that will be the way it's done. I hope it's Mark Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> is he still in prison, or where is he these days? <laughs> I was why they're just in an African prison for trying to overthrow a government. Or something. Yeah, I thought he went did go to prison for that thing in New Guinea, or may I may have, have hallucinated that. I, hallucinating any of these utter freaks facing justice does sound about right. Yeah, that, it, it is about at that level. Um, but yeah, of course, the main thing that everybody's been, been worried about is, of course, the, uh, the, the energy bills. And it looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to get an energy cap set at £2,500 for, for this year, which is still like more than a doubling on last year. So I'm sure that'll be very affordable to, to lots of people. But it's gonna, it looks something like... Oh, is that what it's at now? No, it's at two. Or is it going up again? It's at two thousand now. It'll go up to two thousand five hundred odd. But then you get that Sunak rebate of four hundred quid. I think still this year. So it's like twenty one hundred essentially. And then next year, if the prices are still high, you will have to pay two thousand five hundred. Um, and we all get to take out a mortgage for the privilege. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's I. I was trying Good to news, work- everyone. Mortgages for everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question because I couldn't work that out. I was trying to read it today, but I think that's honestly because like the Tories themselves haven't like pinned this policy down yet as to yeah, whether there's or not- a distinct vibe of uh, <laughs> <laughs> about the whole thing. I'm, feeling, I'm also filling in for the soundboard today. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> and he's here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Making a rare guest appearance. Yeah, no, but it's I the hundred billion that's supposed to pay for all this stuff because we're just going to pay the energy companies and not cap their profits so they're going to be just raking it in because they can now like charge literally whatever the fuck they want and then have a uk government backstop an an unlimited one i think so far as i can make out does that include edf probably yeah if 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 (laughs) (laughs) oh brilliant so like the recently fully nationalized electricity de france yeah. and charge whatever they want to the UK energy users and then use that money to make it cheaper for the French. Truly, truly. It is also fun that uh, this this order of magnitude of bailout hasn't been seen since the fucking banking crisis. It's, and it's we're not going to change anything about the fucking uh, foundations of the, of the socio-political underpinnings of this country. We're just going to keep chugging along, unlike last time where everyone kind of shat themselves for a while and a few people almost went to prison and then kind of didn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, this... I mean, this I'm, yeah. I'm just happy that, like, the fucking energy company is going to fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous that they can then charge the government like 20 grand a year for my lecky or whatever. But, you know, if the government's paying out that out of money that would have gone to like Matt Hancock's fucking landlord or some shit, then I don't care. I'm sure we still find a way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. But money isn't real, so. The real thing I'm worried about is the kebab shops, though, because those wheels are energy intensive. Yeah, yeah no, there is. They're gone. They are going to do something for like. SMEs or or whatever, but it's really unclear how how and what they're going to do because they have, I think, seen the danger to the Great British Kebab Shop. So I do think they are doing something, but I can't figure out what it is yet. I mean, if three quarters of the fucking pub shot or whatever, we'll we'll have like a fucking do you know what I mean? The state will be overthrown by tea time. So that's true. Would yeah. Imagine they're going to do something about that. So yeah, as I said, I have no idea where the hundred billion 
that we're spending on this shit in the worst possible way is going to come from. Uh, but according to the latest thing I read about it in the FT, is it going to... Money tree? No, it's, it will eventually be claimed back through like general taxation, like general state borrowing. So it's not like that weird proposal that was floating around that it would be like the the, the energy mortgage. It might still be that for, for fuck knows, but it looks like they'll just like borrow more money because they still can. It's still relatively very fucking cheap. I, I don't quite understand the concept of the energy mortgage, right? Because a house is a one-off payment and an energy, energy is something you need continually. So you're just going to get a new mortgage every year. I mean, theoretically, like the idea is we only have to do that for like two years until the energy prices come down again, something that prices are want to do. Yeah, but we could just like, do you know what I mean? We could just combine all government policy into one because they, weren't they talking about like fucking making the army stronger? So they could buy like a bunch more fucking shit tanks that don't work and just annex like the fucking like oil company or whatever. You know what I mean? Just drive an Ajax through BP. Yeah, it's like how many divisions does Shell have? I like the idea yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Shell does not have an army that I'm aware of. So uh, they probably do. Well, not 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 in the typical sense, but uh... the only people that we know so far are against it is the Labour Party because uh, I think this was Stangham Debonair yesterday saying, "Well, we're against this because we don't know how to pay how the Tory government's going to pay for it." They're like, "Well, we have to see detailed accounts first. It's like, oh. God almighty, like, can they just be less fucking boring? I'm surprised she didn't propose something like, well, we've got to make sure landlords get their money first. I mean, <laughs> I, they, I, don't think it, I don't think they've got it in them to be less shit, but they could at least, like, deliver these fucking tedious, like, well, what about the fucking money speeches while juggling chainsaws or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's best not to do anything lest you end up giving someone who orders more, something more expensive than a bottle of house white at a restaurant uh, a penny more than they mm. are owed. Oh. Well, I mean, I saw. Was that who? Who was that prick again? I was uh, Tom was Harwood. Tom I think. Harwood yeah, about yeah, yeah. Making the tweet about the fucking house white. Or oh, I fucking hate Ham Torwood. <laughs> Quite cheerfully. Engage him in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> him and Darren Grimes. Do you know what I mean? Making a fucking double bill. Debate them with facts and logic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of just like good news, so already the Bank of England is kicking off because they're worried that this might, the additional bo boring might lead to... They're like, going to waggle that fucking inflation lever even yes, more than they already have been. <laughs> they, they are. They've now said that like they're probably going to kick interest rates from uh, now, which stands roughly at 1.75 to 3% by December. So, And this is essentially, <laughs> they've they're now literally saying... We want to deliberately induce a recession in order to curb this inflation that's going on. So, like, whilst the Tories are handing Hello, out... Hello, I am, I am a fantastically overpaid to the tune of hundreds of thousands of pounds economist. And um, the only thing I've learned anything about in my entire career is inflation bad. Therefore, put up inflation because... Too much money in economy is the only problem I understand how to solve. Also, all inflation comes through too, people earning too much money. And, you know, I think, look, the people of Britain have just had it too good for too long. And they deserve a pay, uh, a pay cut. Now, Rob, for, for people who aren't economy heads that don't just, like, jack off to the economy, hey, explain. Look, don't, don't kink shame <laughs> on this podcast. What, don't what, don't kink shame. Don't specifically kink particularly shame Rob. Rob. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like a lot of people, I'm guessing, don't fully understand what an interest rate going up means to them. 
All right, don't dox me. <laughs> right. Uh, f- very, very briefly, because that's like a question with like a, an answer the length of a f- several fucking books. Yeah, but let's just get Riley on as well to help. <laughs> hey, Rob, what is inflation? <laughs> yeah, what Rob, are, what an, are monies? What's an economy? <laughs> right. Essentially, the base... The Rob, interest... what's free will? <laughs> it doesn't Rob, exist. Rob, jacking off? Why is the sky blue? <laughs> Where do babies come from? <laughs> yeah, how is Bobby formed? <laughs> <laughs> it's formed in the Bank of England. Um, yeah. now, sorry, let me try this again. Right, the base interest rate is set by the Bank of England, and that's essentially a, a rate of interest in which it loans to other banks, but it trickles down through the economy because the banks don't take the charges on their own balance sheet. They pass them on to you, their dear customer. So like, if you have, let's say, a, a variable rate uh, credit card interest, for very long, you haven't paid very much interest on your credit card debt because the the overall interest rates are incredibly low. Like you might still be paying a couple percent, but you're not paying like 10, 20 or something, or or, or at least you shouldn't be. Uh, similarly, if you were to have a, a mortgage, a variable rate mortgage for the last couple of years, that would have been really cheap because the central bank rate is also really very cheap. But once those interest rates start to rise, um, so do the personal your personal costs. So if you have any kind of debt that's like variable rate, so credit cards, mortgages, those are the most familiar, but uh, car loans are a really good one. That's a growing sector in the UK as well. So it sort of feeds into everything else that people pay and businesses pay interest on. And if, if in businesses pay more interest on their debt, they're less likely to hire workers or expand their factory or pay people better. So in generally, in, in general, it causes the economy to contract because you are forcing people to pay money back rather than do something productive with it, like spend it. Very, well, you're very also tricky. forgetting one very crucial point, which is that the interest rate going up causes something absolutely horrific to happen, which is that businesses that have just been sucking at the teat of the enormous money fountain for the last 14 years, they actually have to do something now rather than just produce like nonsense garbage into the economy and say, yeah, look, we're a tech company now. And now we actually have to do something. And we've gone bust completely inexplicably because the, yeah. the source of the free money has been cut off. Yeah, that's that's why a lot of companies are imploding. And we did a, a whole episode a while back. I've forgotten the number about like zombie companies, ones that can only stick around uh, because they're rolling over their debt instead of repaying it. So they just they're extending the terms of the debt rather than repaying the capital. Um, and if they can't do that anymore, they also fold. And that includes company like at this point, that includes companies like Boeing and like big ones in the UK as well. So like. Th- not only are they deliberately inducing a recession, we've built an economy over the last decade that is essentially totally reliant on unlimited f- free money from central banks. And now we've decided to like not just end the party, but like turn on all the neon lights. So you notice that the floor's really sticky and it's all been really <laughs> gross for a very long time. Um, and it could have very Good. interesting, if terrible results. I think it's all. I mean, the other. I think the company we took. We were talking about specifically at the time was a. Was it Morrison's? Uh yeah, Morrison's is uh, loaded yeah. up to the gills with corporate debt, uh, hedge fund yeah, debt. This, yeah, this the tendrils of this fucking business model of sucking at the tea of the money fountain has just infested like every aspect of like. Well, I say public life, but like every sort of private business, uh, as far like from huge companies down to like the smaller ones. Although I suppose Morrison's was a bigger company than I ended up thinking it was in the end. 
But it's like I, I, I was asking because I think it's worth saying like base interest rate. It seems kind of detached from like what most people think of is in their lives, but it is going to affect them. In it, every it, way. Yeah, it's and like a. It, it's not immediate like most people I, I don't know you uh, UK credit card rates off the top of my head but like most people don't pay 0% interest on their credit cards they pay a fairly low percentage but they still do pay interest on it but like the the bank borrows the money or gets the money from the central bank at like 0% so they've been able to like make tons and tons of cheap credit available which is that was the design it was meant to kickstart the economy again and keep it going during corona and in a longer sense post 2008 as alistair was saying the central banks are turning off the free money hose but we've configured an entire economy that is totally reliant on the free money hose so this is <laughs> do not become addicted to the free money for yeah. soon you may regret its absence exactly and i mean like in a sort of more more personal sense uh jordan because you were talking about it is like if you were if you have a a, a mortgage rate or and you close one in the last couple of years like the what's known as the loan uh loan to income ratio it's like the total v- value of the loan versus your total overall income as a family or, or individual uh like that ratio the bigger the number gets the worse it is because like you've taken on like a massive mortgage versus a relatively small income um and that ratio is like at at a record level it's higher than it was pre-2008 like pre-northern rock so like the uk mortgage sector it is is like insane beyond all belief and and it's not just personal ones, but like if you're a if you're a prick, if you're a buy to let landlord, um, it's a lot of them have like built very unstable pyramids of like they have they bought one house, rented it out, took the overvalue, used that to buy the second house, put another mortgage on that, and then repeated that trick with like a lot of houses stacked on top of each other. But they're all yeah, reliant. That a, I think that was pretty that was a pretty explosive sector in like the mid twenty tens, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not a property empire. You're three houses stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you, you're you're not far wrong. So, like, those guys, like, I mean, fuck them. They can all go bankrupt. I don't give a shit. But like, you know, it, oh, but then the houses disappear. That's true. Yeah, when, <laughs> that's what that's what repossession means. It means the bank turns up and then just like uplifts the entire house and then disintegrates into its constituent components. So, <laughs> So, like, setting the interest rate higher and how it's going to fuck over a lot of these fake tech companies. Oh, it's already doing that. Like, that's why so many of them are in huge fucking trouble. That's why crypto is exploding, essentially. Then perish? Yeah. Yeah. Well, is this something maybe a left-wing government might have thought about doing, but with some state investment and with a, yeah. a welfare state functioning we're just doing it without the safety guards pretty much exactly that there are there are some good aspects of like raising the state interest rate like conversely what, what it is good for is um stuff like pensions and i know we always say like pensioners have too much money etc but like there's a whole cohort of people that are desperately fucking poor and only reliant on state pensions or like uh, 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 like broad broad pension funds, and they've had very big trouble paying out good value for the pensions for the last couple of years. So, like for poor pensioners, a higher interest rate could also be like quite good. So it's not like a whole negative throughout the whole economy, but on balance, right now it is fucking terrifying. And and like we had this weird combination now where the Bank of England is so like is deliberately trying to partially created the economy to take the inflation out while on the other side through like fiscal policy 
um, the government is going to hand out like north of 100 billion pounds to the energy companies, probably uncapped in terms of the amount of profits they can make on that 100 billion. However I big mean, that fucking we hand in, that's going to be. If we were in vaguely sane times, then an increase in interest rates would also correspond essentially to an increase in wages. Uh, but it doesn't. So no, no. the debts that would otherwise be eaten away by the increase, increase in interest rates uh, isn't necessarily yeah. going to happen, at least it's... not at the same rate that it normally would. So this is like colliding with the other thing in the UK, which is the absolutely absurd property prices as well then. It, 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 where... It's definitely, I mean, fuck knows how they're going to, because like, that's like a core Tory constituency, right? Like landlords and, yeah. and, and homeowners. So like, whether or not they can find a way to like keep some version of the of the party going because like you had the buy to let and now you have the help to buy and there was some other weird like tory scheme there's always like a new tory scheme to like help landlords out so like undoubtedly there'll be another one because they're politically too important and too integrated into the tory party like the landlords are going to go bust but you know some of them might maybe and that, you know, I, I would celebrate that. But, like, the other effects are way bigger. And essentially, in classical economic theory, you only, you you increase the rate of interest when the economy is, like, running very well. Like, when it's running too well. And clearly, our economy hasn't run well for you know, two decades, something like that now. At least one. I don't know. You're saying about we the, was it, the rent, the, the debt? to something ratio in the mortgages the, is very the lo- high. The loan to income ratio, yeah. Loan to income, yeah, is very high. And that's because, you know, incomes haven't gone up and property prices have skyrocketed. And so, and that that's what I mean when it's... And due to, like, government shenanigans, they've made it easier for, like, first-time buyers to, like, get into the market. Yeah. Like, a couple of weeks ago, they introduced, I think we talked about it on the pod as well, they introduced, the like, a 50-year mortgage. Uh, that's now a yeah. legal thing that you can buy. And it's, like... That's either a multi-generational mortgage or you have to buy a house when you're 20 and know that you will have a job in that community or nearby for the next 50 years. Also 5% deposits, which yes. increases the uh, loan to value as well. Yes, yes. Over the last like two or three years, as like this sector's gotten sketchier and sketchier, they've sawn out like a lot of the the regulations that came into force post-2008. I see see you spinning a lot of plates right there. Do you know what I think would help? More plates. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So so they've just added, in terms of housing, they've just added more spinning plates and just said, well, presumably this will be fine because, again, the infinity money hose will always be available and they have become addicted to it. And pretty soon somebody's going to regret its absence for sure. But yeah, this is like, this is... it's kind of complex and it's not like a one-on-one, but in the current situation, like if you look at, at, at you know, and, and I know Jordan, like we'll talk about uh, the situation with, with the Royal Mail and like what posties are, are earning. Like for most people in Britain, deliberately inducing a recession because inflation is an incredibly bad idea. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's, I mean, it's not good. It's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, it's fully fucking insane. But before we talk about the posters, I want to talk about something else a little bit lighter, but also insane. One of our one of our beautiful boys from a previous episode uh, has run into some trouble last week. Um, the second uh, carrier that we built, the Prince of Wales, uh, ground to a halt somewhere just outside. All right, yeah, the engine fell out or something, didn't it? 
Um, now, one of the prop shafts got so badly damaged that it was essentially like half dead in the water. I will say this. It's not the worst trouble a prince has got into recently. No. <laughs> uh, this is like, it was, it was right when it was supposed to head out for like a four-month exercise in the Caribbean with the, uh, with the Americans. Which, by the way, we do need because we don't have enough um, F-35 fighters. So we have to borrow them from the US. Like the US Navy has to land their planes on our ships. Because we don't have the enough uh, uh, fighters still. And we probably never will, but, but we'll get there. It's the F-35, the shit one. Uh, yeah. They're all shit, but the F-35 five is the particularly shit one. That, that... Uh, <laughs> we, we don't have enough of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, but that's a, that's a whole episode. Like Episode 69. Nice. When you say we don't have enough F-35s, you mean we have too many fighter pilots? You just have to thin them out with some really dangerous planes. Essentially, like most carriers have like a... Um, a catapult system to launch and catch planes when they land like it's essentially a short runway where like you get launched off with a catapult and the same wire like it's like a trip wire catches the plane when it lands but these ones the but new they call ones it the arrester cable yeah so it's, it's arrester yeah um but the, the the new carriers that we have we don't want to do that old fuddy-duddy system that we know works um we need to have f-35 lightning variants because they can do vertical takeoff and landing like the harrier used to these carriers are specifically built to only accept the f-35 which is a fragile prissy little plane that likes to fall apart <laughs> oh man that is that is Paul Freckles thought of season died yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, i don't know if i've asked this before when planes came up on the podcast but what was that fucking plane that used to just keep flying into hills in the lake district Oh, it was like in the early 90s, like every other week, they were like, oh, like a three RAF pilots have died on a hillside in the Lake District because like the planes are just fucking, they just didn't have like altitude instrumentation. Jamie, I'm, I'm guessing you mean a model of plane, but not just one specific plane that kept on flying. <laughs> yeah, just hills. one. The, the RAF just had one cursed plane. It was like fucking Christine <laughs> by uh, Stephen King. <laughs> flying to a hillside, then just iron itself flat and go back to the base. <laughs> I think I want to say, Jamie, that was a tornado, but I could be wrong about that. That sounds that sounds like it might be right, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, according to the uh, UK Defence Journal, like this isn't the first time the carrier Prince of Wales has run into significant troubles. Um, it has only spent uh, eighty-seven days of the last two years actually at sea. For the rest, it's just been constantly in dry dock, getting uh, repaired. And the, the the current fuck up is that they suspect. Nope, we don't know yet, but that the um, the propeller blades uh, may have crashed into something underwater, and that has caused like massive damage to the prop shaft. So like the carrier is completely uh, 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 screwed, essentially. Did um, and- did Roland Emmerich's Godzilla get them? <laughs> now, fantastically, what might have happened is uh, the carrier was in in Portsmouth, and the government has like spent a ton of money in the last couple of years dredging out like the the sea lanes into Portsmouth specifically so these carriers could berth there. Not only have they like maybe dredged like too small a channel, which caused the prop to like just ram itself into the ground, but also it was much it was much more expensive than anybody thought, and this is fucking incredible. They thought that extra dredging was going to cost thirty million pounds but it's cost 50 um that's because when they started dredging they discovered large volumes of unexploded ammunition around portsmouth harbor 
Nice. I thought maybe it was just going to be a thing where, like, you know, all the sewage is like le- like dumped in the harbors now, and someone had like flushed their dad's car keys, like some toddler had done that, and the, the <laughs> prop just like got the fucking keys caught up in it or something like that. <laughs> I I thought you were, when you were talking about like the, so I thought it was just going to be like it's it's costing extra because of all the all of the turds southern waters dumping in it. Imagine being the guy who did the shit that like disable an aircraft carrier though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's power you can't buy that like you know what I, mean? <laughs> uh, I was reminded of the episode we did with uh well there's your problem where we talked about where boris wanted to build that sea tunnel to ireland oh, and they couldn't because of yeah someone Burford's finally dike. built an underwater rail gun <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just that thinking like tunnel man what what I really like now is the idea is that there's also ex- unexploded ordnance like sunk around Portsmouth Harbour. Is that just, just like a somewhere ring of explosives ring. around yeah. the UK? Yeah, <laughs> around the UK. God put it there just to stop you for good from for leaving. good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I should say, by the way, this is not the first problem that the Prince of Wales has uh, has had. Uh, it flooded in May 2020. Well, it, I mean, uh, his fingers aren't looking too clever for a start. <laughs> uh, it, it flooded with up to three feet of water, uh, which caused significant engine room uh, damage. Uh, and also, the uh, uh, there was another flood in October 2020, which significantly damaged like hundreds of miles of electronics in the bowels of the ship. So they had to like run all the cables we didn't. again. We Far didn't be it for it... me to criticise the Ministry of Defence, but when I'm designing a ship, I do yeah. kind of anticipate that it's going to come into contact with water. Well, do you know what I mean? You, you clearly want to get down there and tell those eggheads what's what. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just as a quick reminder, we did pay three billion uh, quid for this piece of shit. That still doesn't work. And also, we may have to tow it um, not to like the naval repair yards because that might be too far and the carrier can't handle it. So we may have to tow it to Amsterdam to get it fixed. <laughs> Imagine having to tow one of our flagships over to the enemy. <laughs> Damn shame. Yeah. 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 Are they going to uh, are they going to dismantle that bridge for us that they wouldn't for fucking Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> they might do um but yeah i of course i, I love these class things that like get a fucking yeah. up, you? <laughs> um critical support to the dutch in this one instance yeah, <laughs> yeah otherwise <laughs> please do not hand it to my people <laughs> even if we get this whole thing the mod still doesn't have the resources to buy the complement the full complement of all the complicated jets the f-35bs that we were supposed to have so um we're going to get 48 by now, uh, costing uh, about f- 1.5 billion pounds altogether. We need, I think, another like 90 more or something like that if we want to properly outfit all the carriers and have like some spares running around. Um, Wait, and Rob, according is, to is that is that right? You said 1.5 billion. Uh, no, 10.5 billion. Is that not billion. 10.5? Sorry. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is 10.5. Sorry. But yeah, we might be able to send out like one carrier with 24 jets, which is like under what it needs uh by 2030 so that would vastly wow uh like underdo its its objectives of being able to project force anywhere by then they'll have launched they'll have launched the amphibious ajax so there won't be any need for these carriers anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah and, and, and we talked about this on on the on the episode where we talked about this like in great detail but um 
uh, they had a tender out for like new support ships that carry like the fuel and the spare parts and the ammo and stuff. Um, but those still won't be ready until 2028. And that's like a best estimate. And knowing defense contracting, it'll be like 2040 or something. Um, yeah. And the radar still systems still do not work properly. Fantastically. Well, Alice, you mentioned the amphibious Ajax, but kind of judging by the standards of these ships, it already is amphibious. <laughs> I mean, anything's amphibious if you try hard and believe in yourself. <laughs> I do like the idea of fitting giant wheels under this, and then we can finally have that... Um, uh, what's that stupid movie again? Uh, where, where, the, where the cities are on wheels and keep fighting each other. Oh, Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines, exactly. I was, we can I have was our own... genuinely about to say Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> no, what 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 we need to do is we need to take a uh, a leaf out of the Cybrans book from uh, Supreme Commander, where they attach giant robot legs to the ro- to the ships to make them amphibious, and I think they're really ahead of their time with that idea. I like this. I like this. I think that's also like a more useful idea, fitting giant robot legs to it. Because like, if we have to rely on the F thirty five, which we won't have, don't have the money for, and even if we did. You could just, you could just have the carrier the walk up onto land. Just have the carrier walk up onto land and then just fling the fucking um, jets off of the thing with... Oh, the yeah, yeah, with a giant off. robot claws. That would be oh. fucking incredible. Yeah, you could just, like, have it chuck... Have it make really big bombs and just have the carrier just, like, fling it at, at enemy cities. That would be incredible. Just a massive, we, fucking, like- massive fucking catapult, like, and bean all. <laughs> and that this would also solve our Brexit railgun problems, Jamie. Like, I don't think anything's going to solve our Brexit railgun problems. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, they, we're we're going to retool this podcast to like get some nice government contracts to sort to sort this shit out. Like, well, surely if we any too- of us, if any of us went to the right school, we could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just go and open a go and open a pub in Matt Hancock's neighborhood. Uh, my my favorite my favorite bit uh, of the uh, National Audit Office report that that I read for this was um, that as of yet there is n- no funded permanent solution for how we can move people or goods to the carriers while at sea, including like F thirty five aircraft parts. Because we don't we, we don't know how to do that yet, and we haven't paid for anything that can <laughs> do built, it. We've built unassailable mountains in the ocean. Hold on us. <laughs> so for today's main story, it's also by uh, John Z. I wanted to talk about uh, the Royal Mail and, of course, the uh, Royal Mail strike. So first, John, I just wanted to ask you, like, how's it going? <laughs> it's going remarkably well. Like, this is my first strike that I've ever taken. And wouldn't you know it, I'm a, a rep for my delivery office. So it's like kind of being thrown into the deep end a little bit. But just in my life of having seen strikes in the past, this is just this summer more broadly is the most public support I've ever seen for them. And we've not really had any abuse from anyone. People get a little bit miffed that they can't pick up their parcels or something. But usually they'll say, oh, I really need it, but I do support the strikes. I mean, I, I didn't know we had a fat cat union baron on. I would have. I apologize to our audience. Like, <laughs> oh man, I wish that's that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do enjoy the. I know, obviously, completely different union, but the idea of trying to paint paint someone like Mick Lynch or Dave Ward as like union fat cat, union fat cat when they're on like you know less than five figures or less than six figure salaries of all things. You know, you've made it in this country. When the sun runs a thing about how how dare you still live in a council house? 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it really pisses me off, like, this fundamental misunderstanding of what council houses are actually yeah. and supposed to be. It's like, oh no, it's, it's for pores only. It's not for people from every yep. strata of society. Well, the people just think it's a ghetto. That's what they think of council housing. Well, as. that's what they want council housing to be. But yeah, you yeah. can't you can't allow even one crumb of housing to go to anyone who has anything other than the house red with their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call it the house red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's an extent to which maybe people who can afford to not have a council house should maybe vacate it because there's such little stock. But that's only a problem because of yeah. you know right to buy and the terrible state of council housing yeah that's the thing i mean like fucking who who was i don't even remember who it was that they were yelling at the, the union guy they were yelling at for still living in a council home like 10 years ago 15 years ago whenever it was do you know what i mean it's like yeah you're mad because like this guy this guy's on like big money and he still lives in a council house but like you're not mad at the people who bought their fucking council houses well, no, they're, they're a responsible parts of civilization. But they're also mad at the people who bought houses when they were cheap in like the 80s and now it's worth a million. Like when they're yeah. having a go at Corbyn for his expensive hovel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's worth millions. Billions even. <laughs> Every time I look at his house, I add another zero. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they're going to pay for this energy bailout. They're just going to fucking like steal his house and sell it. <laughs> But yeah, essentially, uh, hopefully on the day this comes out, September 8th, this, it's a, it's an official strike day, as is tomorrow. And uh, for what you were saying, Jordan, before the recording starts, there's going to be m- even more strike action, hot, hot strike yeah. action. So it, it was the 26th of August, wasn't it? The first one. And then the 31st of August, uh, they've been, the, this is coming out hopefully on the 8th, and then it'll be on the 9th. Again, those four dates are over just pay. And then the 30th of September and the 1st of October, they are strike dates about the change that we're, that's being proposed by the business that we're opposed to and we want some like proper negotiation on is and this not the, just um, imposed by executive action. Is this the one where you don't have to deliver letters anymore? Well, no, they will still be delivering letters because we do have a universal service obligation. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I meant. Are they, are, are they, aren't they, aren't they wanting to get rid of that or something? Oh, they they do want to get rid of that, but a lot of part, there's a lot of changes that are, are proposed. I don't know if you want to get into that now, Podlad. Uh, I do, I do, I do want to, uh, I do, but I want to do that a little bit later. I thought we would do like a quick little bit of history because it's always good to like know where these things come from um oh boy let's we... learn about neoliberalism again <laughs> well the, 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 i mean this goes beyond neoliberalism this is it's one of the oldest companies in the country it's like one of the oldest in the world There's yeah, like, yeah yeah i mean it know, depends on how far back you go but like the royal mail is in some form or another it's more than like 500 years old it's it's one of, i mean yeah it's one of the, the first it's literally things... older than the united states yeah i mean one of the things that has to happen for a for a modern for any society and certainly for a capitalist society to function is uh, communication links and the Royal Mail is one of the first efficient uh, communication links built in in the world. I mean, essentially, it's a very similar story to stuff we've covered before, um, like gas and water. Nothing is like whole hog privatized straight off the bat. So at first, they in the in the seventies and then the eighties, of course, on the Thatcher, like they start putting distance between the thing they don't want, which is a national service, and then uh, they start to fuck off bits of it. Then complain that it's fucked, and then it has to be sold to the private sector uh, because under the you know myth of they can do it better for less. Um, so yeah, this solve is solve the beast. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same trick that, as I said, happened to gas and water and, and other national um, industries. Uh, like, for example, under Thatcher Major, uh, privatization was already like creeping in. Um, they hived off all like the buildings that Royal Mail used to own and put it in a different corporation that was 51% owned by the Royal Mail, but 49% by um, like a construction company called Balfour Beatty. They're part of a, of a, of a different group now. Um, and there used to be like an actual post bank, like you used to be able to to to, to do yep. your your banking um, at the post. Um, I don't I don't know if you used to have a, a, a gyro bank account or I actually did, yes, yeah, when I was a child. Uh, but and that that is a CW policy is that we would like to bring that back. Yeah, and I think they got it into the the Labour Party manifesto in the last election. I think that would be an incredibly uh, good idea. But yeah, like the so the Post Bank, the Gyro Bank was sold off to, I want to say, then Royal Leicester Bank, so privatized in the 1990s. Yeah. And, and I don't know if maybe you've talked about it before. And I think we've talked about it on, on Com Radio. We had a big kind of solidarity episode, but we talked about the great episode we called the Great British Sell Off. And we talked about Royal Mail. We also talked about BT, uh, how they became BT. Because that used to be post office telecoms, I think, and that in the eighties that was separated out. So that's another part of of you know the the broader Royal Mail Group or post yeah. office group that that was privatized. Briefly, they rebrand parts of themselves as Parcel Force as well. Yeah, that well, that, that we've still got Parcel Force as like a separate a, a part within the Royal Mail Group. Yeah, and uh, they're also on strike with ah. us. Huzzah. Um, and then Michael Heseltine, uh, in like the later Blair, uh, later sorry, uh, major years, uh, tries to push for full privatization. But back then, even the Tories wouldn't touch it. But of course, um, under under Blair, they were much more receptive to to, to that kind of stuff. Um, so in two thousand, it's no longer a statutory corporation, but it becomes a a pu- more public limited company where like the government just has a majority of shareholders. And even briefly, like they changed the name of the Royal Mail to Consignia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my members still talk oh, about that and laugh sake. about it. They like because they spent a lot of money doing that, and everyone thought it was shit and stupid, so they had to change it back. Yeah, the whole idea was like <laughs> you know it. it Tony Blair, anything is look. We've modernized, privatized. It's it's all hip and zippy now. Now it's called Consignia. Um, Genuinely surprised they didn't just change it to RM. <laughs> yeah, and put in a big fucking circle. Wow, that'll be two hundred thousand pounds, please, for the consultancy no, they, fees. They genuinely spent a lot of money to yeah. come up with that branding. It was like in the millions. I'm, I yeah. think, or that's at least what my members talk about it. With. I hope they created an insane design document, like the fucking uh, Pepsi logo redesign document, which yeah. has yeah. like the gravity of the fucking Pepsi logo and shit in there. Because that is honestly one of the most insane documents I ever read. So this, <laughs> so having redesigning the uh, Royal Mail like coat of paint i can only assume cost like some insane amount of money and produce an equally insane document so and much like water energy etc that it's not full privatization but they now allow like private companies to uh not deliver the mail yet but they are allowed to like receive the mail sort the mail and then they would hand it over to the royal mail for like last mile for like the delivery part so like you already get you know what you would still see was your royal mail postie but in the background they were already like taking the wheels off the off the whole thing essentially well that what they were taking out was actually the profitable parts as well like the last 
you know, two miles, the last 10 miles, that, that is the expensive part to do. Yeah. And even when they were allowing other companies to deliver, to like, you know, directly compete with us, a lot of companies were still taking that processing part and then just handing it off to us at the end. For for the bit for which you need more stuff and you actually need to have somebody that's go so, out and do... That's so fucking typical, isn't it? Uh, it's the exact same story as uh, with private healthcare. It's like, oh, yeah. the bit that's actually, you know, the bit that you actually need to do, the urgent bit, yeah, no, that bit, that bit can be done by the fucking, well, not the state anymore when it comes to the mail, but the fucking taxpayer can foot the bill for that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, in, well, in, like, all the hip replacements are done private now, aren't they? Just because yeah, they are because they're so like they're so standardized and simple. Like you can run like forty or fifty hip replacements a day, um, and just like for everyone you do, you just get a wad of money from the insurance company. So like f- for that, it's incredibly simple. Um, but all those private clinics, it's like if shit goes wrong, they are calling an ambulance and sending you to an NHS hospital because they don't have the skill to like fix you if like you have an arterial blade or something like goes sideways in a, in a, in a surgery. Yeah, it's a very good representation of that is actually in the um, BBC produced um, This Is yeah, Going to Hurt. Like, this is going a to great hurt. TV yeah. series. I'm just uh, imagining, I don't know if you know the, the piece of music called Powerhouse by Raymond Scott. It's used in like all of the the older cartoons with like a some kind of like a assembly line or something or like someone's being all right going, yeah, going yeah. over a conveyor belt and things are happening to them. I'm imagining that of just people getting their hips replaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, briefly, like in in 2008, of course, this is the later player years. Mandelson tries again. Of course, it's Mandelson to partially privatize the Royal Mail, but he can't get it past the Labour backbench. But fortunately, after that, you get the Lib Dems uh, and the Tories, of course, in a happy Rose Garden coalition. And uh, Vince Cable is the one who manages to finally and at long last privatize the Royal Mail in beginning in 2011 with the last bits sold off in 2015 i want to say thanks yeah, so, vince you can't yeah so this is me settling an old beef here because i remember listening to an episode i think it's back in december and just like screaming at my phone as i was driving to work uh oh is this one reading we, that article oh, yeah yeah about how your old people should go back to work or something to save the economy and pay off the debt the national debt or something and there's oh, yeah, this, yeah, like, there's be, a paragraph be, be, in there yeah, how they can yeah. just be like baristas and police officers because all people are well, yeah, really they, like in good financial physical shape. This is the thing that's uh, there are numerous roles: teaching in schools and colleges, policing, nursing and doctoring, legal work, accounting, working in supermarkets, delivering the post, which those <laughs> who have reached per- pensionable age may be happy to perform for a limited number of hours, provided there's no financial disincentive. So, like, I was listening to that and just losing my absolute mind. Because of the privatisation, this is a job that a lot of our older members are really struggling to keep up with. And like some are like part retiring or just like outright retiring earlier than they ordinarily would have because they just cannot keep up with the work life. I mean, maybe maybe for for our listeners who maybe don't work uh, as a as a postie, what like what kind of physical workload are you talking about? Like on a given day. So on on deliveries, you're probably walking somewhere between like ten and twelve miles on average, I would say. Uh, so that's like a fifty mile week if you're doing a five day week. Um, fifty miles, Jesus. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. So we're giving things like a, a like a lightweight trolley, 
where you just put two bags on it and you'll push that around. But if you're using that, you're probably not getting done on time. So there's kind of a little bit of an incentive to maybe not always use the tools that are there for your safety. So you'll be doing that and carrying a heavy bag a lot of the time, which officially the, the business says you shouldn't do. But they also say you should get back on time. So it's, you know... I mean, do you have, like, uh, insane, like, Amazon-level monitoring as well? Like, this fucking, uh, you know, if you don't deliver X letters a minute, then, uh, you know, you're, you know, you get docked pay or, like, your manager comes to yell at you or something? No, well, the it's maybe heading that way. We've got our PDAs. They can track you, but they can't be used for disciplinary things that yet. But that's by virtue yet. of us having a union. Yeah, well, we've, we've got a union, so we've been able to fight that coming in. Uh, whereas in Amazon, because it's like a brand new company to an extent, uh, compared to a uh, 500-year-old one that's had unions operating in it for quite a long time, we've been able to fight against that kind of thing and dictate the terms of when it does come in to some extent. But it's what they want to have. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, I think if, if these strikes don't succeed and if we don't support them, that is actually what might come to pass. Because, like, the Royal Mail does, like, as a company, does have some structural problems in its way that, that I want to talk about certainly with you, Jordan, a little bit. But, yeah, like, yeah. Um, Alistair, you remember, like, how also in previous episodes when we talked about uh, water, especially the water companies, like, they got given, like, hundreds of millions of, of pounds as like a, as, like, a little leaving present? Uh, to, so they'd be mm-hmm. more attractive. Well, in this case, what happened when the Royal Mail was privatized, the government says, said, don't worry, we will take on um, all the Royal Mail pension liabilities at the time, which were give or take 40 billion. So the government just took like oh. a 40 billion hit. Um, and that just, of course, made the whole thing way more attractive to the private sector because there was no pension liability in this extremely profitable company. I mean, like, I, I don't think we're... Any of us are convinced that uh, any any Tory or fucking Lib Dem is like a true, like honest to god free marketeer because they fucking love intervention. Like interven- intervening in markets is what they fucking do all the time, literally all the time. Just creating the markets people. where they don't fucking exist. Yeah, handing out a forty, essentially a forty billion dollar, forty billion quid payout for no reason because it. In- <laughs> entirely in the interests of um lining private uh, private pockets with public funds always and forever more than just taking that liability off the hands of raw males make it more like appealing to to investors in that they also did i think the national audit office found uh they reported that the government had cost taxpayers 750 million pound in a single day by undervaluing the postal service that yeah they sold that... it off at one price and then it immediately went up yeah, yeah they <laughs> on on the day the shares went on sale the first tranche went on sale the shares were priced the initial pricing was uh 330p per share but in pretty much like within half a day or something the the the, the price had jumped to 450 and there's a whole like there's a whole argument still going as to whether or not the government deliberately underpriced it, even against the advice of the investment bankers they'd hired to like do the sale for them. Like I think even like UBS and, and Merrill Lynch said, "Look, you can get more money for this at a better price," uh, but they just pushed it out the door anyway. But no, R- Rob, look, this is how this is how you run government like a business: you sell your assets at a loss. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I think a lot of people in government 
are genuinely terrible at business as well. They just have like an ideological devotion to it. Yeah, oh, well, the, the, yeah. An ide- ideological devotion to the fetishization of what running a business is, not actually running a business, though. Yeah, but they're they're not business people; they're business fans. <laughs> <laughs> business weebs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so they sell off the Royal Mail in several chunks in 2013, and then under George Osborne in 2015, it's it's completed. So it's it's I think. The per- the staff, the personnel of the Royal Mail still holds like ten or twelve percent of of total shares, but the other ninety percent, let's say, are are in the hands of private investors. And the total sale value uh, was three point two billion pounds, so a little bit less than the forty billion in pension liabilities that were outstanding. Um, but for, but sensibly, we... that's business, baby. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean you get to criticize. Uh, but fortunately, we used that 3.2 billion very well. Uh, we used it to pay down the national debt, and it was never heard from again because that cleared that whole thing right off the table. <laughs> we we sold we sold Royal Mail at a loss, and the money that we did get, we threw down a well. <laughs> yeah, we just threw in the infinite black hole, and remember that, especially in the context of Liz Trust just announcing that they're going to give like a hundred billion plus to the energy companies unlimited uh when they say we can't pay royal mail or we can't nationalize it because that will be too expensive royal mail is essentially a a profitable company it's had revenue growth every year since uh 2010 uh its revenues increased about 50 percent in the last decade or so pre-tax profits were very good essentially like last year they made but that was a lot of influence of of rona uh they made almost 726 uh, million pounds so like again i know you know jordan um the royal mail says to the union look we can't afford it because we have to modernize but in my eyes that sounds like fucking horseshit well i mean they have to modernize apparently but they also did have to pay yes i think 400 million to shareholders at the beginning of the year they didn't have to but they did that as a like as a like a nice little bonus as a little treat yeah to the shareholders that really worked hard over the pandemic and you know put themselves on the line getting out to people and you know delivering medications and test kits and picking up the uh, the the lateral not the lateral, the, uh, the P- PCR tests and sending them off I mean look the the only people more put upon than landlords are shareholders and and this podcast yeah. feels for them <laughs> But yeah, it's been fucking incredible because this is one of those things that I couldn't quite work out, Jordan, and maybe you can help me, is every time I read one of these things, like these statements from Royal Mail, they keep saying, we must modernize, but I can't work out what that actually means. Like, uh, what uh, do they mean? Like, sorting robots, uh, you know. Delivering your letters by drone strike. <laughs> Weird that you said those two things between the two of you. One of the big things is bringing in something they call PSM, this parcel sorting machine, which... The members actually working on them love. I think they just love a bit of new gear, to be honest with you. But it's it's bringing in more automation in sorting, which I think the union has been you know, cooperative on and you know worked with the business on that kind of thing. And it's you know where they bring in more automation is we've been working towards a shorter working week. So our full term full time week now is thirty seven hours. Uh, we'd kind of gradually taken an hour off. I think the ultimate goal is to get down to 35. But it's also looking at what the competition is doing a lot of time. So it's you know, moving later in the day. Uh, so 
the, the proposed thing is for, for my office in particular was say to move two hours later. So some days we'd be finishing at 5 p.m. as opposed to the, where we finish at 3 p.m. now. It, uh, but part of the problem with that is other delivery companies are also doing early shifts as well. So they're also delivering earlier in the day and later in the day. It's, it's I think they're kind of chasing those late acceptance times where they can take a parcel later and later in the day and say, we'll deliver it tomorrow. But ignoring that other companies are having later acceptance times and just putting them on a later shift. Yeah. If you kind of get what I'm saying, I'm not getting, I don't know if I'm being too technical about it. No, 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 it makes makes sense. I mean, you mean stuff like parcels like UPS and DPD and other carriers that like. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of come at all random hours of the day, essentially, by now. Yeah. But another thing, the thing Jamie was saying is uh, about drones. They are talking about implementing drones to go out to you know, the remote islands and you know uh, off, off the coast of Scotland and things like that, where there's like two houses on an island. They yeah. are kind of doing pilot programs where they use drones to drop off them. Because at the minute, a postie will have to get on like a ferry and get up to the to the houses and then take a ferry back, which sounds like a fantastic duty to be on. I, I mean, <laughs> just. It sounds incredibly easy for like a drone carrying parcels and an important post in the Atlantic, where there's I don't think there's much bad weather on those islands, so I think that <laughs> that can never be a problem. I mean, I'm sure there's still be contingencies to have a postie walk go over there, and you got you have got to love that Whatever amount post of work you need to for send that day. To those islands. You just send two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they still need they still need a human operator to go and fish the drone out of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that is the the goal of modernization, and I think an unstated goal is yeah. If you look at the other companies, the I can't remember. I think it was is it Hermes that rebranded as Every now. Uh, Every and yeah, EV. Yeah, I thought that Every. was a I thought that was a fancy scarf company, but then you know it turns no, out. Yeah. No, I, I think one of my uh, more senior reps said it is it's because they just chuck every delivery over the fence. Um, but <laughs> uh, like Yodel and DPD and that, uh, they have a lot of owner drivers where they're like you know bogus self-employment. I think they want to expand that practice. In this is where you have Melbourne. to bring your own van and bring your own insurances and bring and your you're own technically everything. self-employed, yeah, and yeah, and all just, that kind of just Uberization of Absolutely. every single aspect of every business, if possible. And, and I'm sure if they do manage to bring that in, then the GMB will sign a sweetheart deal with the Royal Mail Group to represent those members. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking scab union, Fuck scab GMB, union, yeah. Christ. And the other thing I was reading about in terms of the demands from from Royal Mail is, and this is always one of those lovely things that they keep very, very like vague, is like they say, well, we demand that our staff in in return for this meager pay rise thing is that we want more flexible working patterns. And I'm assuming that's that's wonderful and lovely because who doesn't like flexibility? Well, yeah, that's the, there was this whole kind of slate of, of changes they wanted. And one of the things is, I think, they only give you four weeks' notice to completely change your shift pattern. Which, you know, if you've planned a holiday around your days off or something, uh, yeah. fuck or you, you, actually. Or, or you have to pick up the kids because you're, you know, a single parent yeah. or something. Like, you, you know, it's... Changing the shift pattern like to two hours later is going to completely fuck up the lives of certain people who picks into this job because it fit around them being able to drop their kids off and pick them up so that that's one thing that's like quite bad about it but among the other th- proposed changes they wanted was 
you know, to, I think, I remember it's after or you get a week of statutory sick pay and then you go on to the full rate or is it like you have a re- week of the full rate and then it goes on to statutory sick pay. Statutory yeah. sick pay for a week is like £90. Yeah, that's that's insanely low. Some of the worst, like the worst in Europe, I think, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. And that, that's one of the things they want to do. They want to make it easier to sack people uh, like based on their sick records. They want to essentially put us in a two-tier workforce where everyone who starts after us ah um, yeah, will, yeah yeah it's a famous trick will, this yeah so they'll be on different terms and conditions and they'll have i think a lower rate of pay but a higher overtime rate yeah this is this is one of the famous tricks that they've used to like break unions everywhere in the world is to say yeah well you guys now are safe but everybody else who comes after you is just fucked and are you okay with that like yeah, you know, and you, uh, the, our position is we're not going to send sell future generations down the river with that kind of thing. And another part of that is like, we don't employ full-time people straight off the bat. They come in as part-timers and then with seniority, you get made up to full-time. Yeah. Uh, so now, you, you know, in my office, you start at 28 hours and then you probably get a bit of overtime most of the time out of that. And then eventually, if we've got the vacancy there, you'll get made up to full-time, uh, which is 37 hours for us. Yeah. What they're proposing was that you come in and you don't get made up to 37 hours, you get made up to 40, where oh, we wow. were like like a decade ago. Jesus so Christ. Yeah, so it's kind of trying to roll back on agreements they've previously made as well. In return for all this this largesse and this this lovely flexibility, you the offer on the table now is like you get 2% or 5 and a half cuz well I don't yeah, it's not quite that because I it's two percent imposed, yeah. like completely unagreed. They've just said here's two percent, and then uh, I think we have to meet some kind of. You have to agree to all those changes to get an extra. I think yeah, five hundred quid percent. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's no, the or... change is like an extra one and a half percent, and then oh yeah, five hundred quid, which is something like equates to two percent. If you meet these completely unachievable like efficiency targets that they know we're not going to make. But it sounds nice. But they're saying five and a half percent when it's not that at all. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing I can't work out, I'm just trying to like talk through the stuff from like the company side as well, is like they keep saying that like Royal Mail keeps claiming that it is loss making, that they they lose a million pounds a day every day. And and like I, I was doing research for this and I've seen that number repeated constantly everywhere, but I've never seen anybody like support that number like where does it come from and i was wondering if maybe you had any idea or if this is as confusing to you as it is to me well one of the things is that you might have heard that number some of the the older people among us i'm i'm not just looking at you jamie but you people might have heard that number every time we have a dispute with royal mail because i've seen little snippets from newspapers going back like probably like 20 30 years saying like we're losing a million pound a day and yeah. somehow always still profitable. I think the claim they're trying to make is that GLS, our parcel company that operates in Europe, like mainland Europe, is what's tr- generating all of the profits. And then Royal Mail, parcels and letters. Yeah, I wanted to get into this. Yeah. We've had a very shitty carrot in terms of like a max 5.5% pay rise in, in, in terms of an inflation that might reach like 18% or something by now. So like it's a massive yeah. real-term pay cut for like... For, for posties um for, for for most workers essentially um yeah i would say it's not it's not just not just the posties it's the 
the, the workshop people that make sure our vehicles are safe and it's yeah you know, the, the yeah the the people in mail centers and, and stuff like that then the the uh the drivers of the lorries going around the country which you know hev drivers in short supply and probably should be valued a bit more highly than they are um it's know, just all the all the back insane. office people that that you don't see but that are incredibly like yeah important. absolutely i mean you, you, the delivery people is that's who you see but the, it takes a lot an awful lot to to bring you know your post to you every day that you don't see and i, I just want to add to that kind of just briefly uh rmpfs which is royal mail properties and facilities management the cleaners and the engineers like fix up uh broken things in our offices and yeah. they're also being balloted right now so um i think no, they were the, always, with a different union and no still with cwu but it, it's it, yeah i think it's they just are counted separately so we've we're, we're balloting there for their their pay as well um, all right I've, i just recruited to the cleaner in my office as well i'm quite quite proud of excellent congratulations it, and solidarity to to them as well like it's it's you know yeah. clean, cleaners are just as vital as everybody else in this economy and every company has cleaners and they're always yeah. underappreciated so yeah. you don't think you think oh yeah there goes my postie but you never think that office needs to be cleaned every day and the people doing that work really hard yeah yeah but it's the thing where like you know what i mean that's because cleaner is a job you scare your kids with when they don't study properly at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's be completely honest about it, partly because it's, you know, feminized labor. So yeah. another reason it gets to be underpaid so much. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And 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 it's a lot of, usually like it's, it's the first or second generation migrants as well, because it's a job that doesn't always require like advanced ling- linguistic skills. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's an unskilled profession, but it's, it's at that level so like there's a lot of migrants that work in there so it's very much yeah for sure like they they deserve as much of a pay raise as well but i wanted to get back into what you were saying earlier about um gls which is like the royal mails like i know they operate in the uk as well but they're like the parcel delivery the royal mail is separate from the parcel service or i i couldn't quite work out what the difference between the two is yeah well it's kind of parcel forces like a royal mail company that only does you know parcels and like they do the much bigger stuff than we can handle and just like just generally they do a lot of parcels but it's mostly you know vans fully employed by royal mail and vans owned by royal mail and the service and all that by by royal mail gls i think is more the the owner driver model operating in europe and not unionized so you can probably get a bit more profit out of it by just exploiting the workers more so there is, uh, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think a similar thing goes on with DHL, which I think is owned by Deutsche Post. I think you're right, yeah. I think DHL is Deutsche Post, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing a similar thing as what they're doing just in, in the rest of Europe. And Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I see them here, and, and I know they were definitely around when I was living in, in Belgium and, and in Holland. Like, GLS is definitely one of the bigger ones so one of the things that that royal mail is now threatening is to say like look if you keep striking um what we'll do is we'll hive off gls from like the main group we'll split it off into a different company and then that would be like 
massively much more profitable and then like the whether or not royal mail makes a loss is still a little bit unclear to me but like and then we would be able to claim look royal mail makes giant losses because we don't have the gls profits anymore and therefore we will like do more strike breaking and definitely can't pay you what you're owed yeah well my response to that would be you know they, we can't pay you because we've paid shareholders and then you didn't even generate that profit. It was all GLS. It's like, well, fucking pay the GLS people more because shareholders still didn't generate that yeah. 700 million. Then, you know, GLS workers should be organizing as well. And I don't know, maybe the CW is going to expand beyond our borders and start representing them so they can get a decent wage as well. Well, I'm more of the mind that instead of, trying to turn us against GLS, that we should be uniting with them yeah, and standing sure. against the employer. But yeah, it, either way you look at it, it's still not the shareholders that are making, that are generating that profits and they, they're not entitled to that money either. No, 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 they're definitely not. I mean, it's it's like, I know there's been parts, proposals now and in the past as well to separate off parcel force uh, yeah, as and, well for, uh, for and, similar yeah. stories, essentially. And to toopy them over to this new company like like you know keeping their terms and conditions allegedly but i think there it was speculated at the time that what they were doing is getting the parcel bit like the that makes a bit of money off from the royal mail group and maybe it would get sold off ultimately to someone like amazon or yeah you know that's just idle or kind of idle speculation from from reps and and people looking at it at the time it's doesn't seem like it's an impossible idea. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible thing to say, like, to the union is if you don't take this shit, like this piece of shit deal we're offering you, we will literally like crater the company as is and like run off giggling with some of the more profitable bits and just like leave you in the shit and fuck you. Like, it's fuck. It's- it is. Yeah, it is always fun when. Um, I mean, you get you see this a lot with landlords as well. Where they just say, "Well, <laughs> fuck you, then I'm going to take my take my house with me and go home." And it's like, "Well, do, do you do you actually want to make money, or are you that ideologically opposed to paying a penny less to a shareholder and give and putting that in the pocket of a worker that you would rather just blow the whole fucking thing up than yeah, it, make a single concession?" <clears throat> it's bullshit. It's like when people say, "Oh, well, you can't vote for like fucking like socialist policies because like all the money will leave," and it's like, "Well, fuck it." Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's fake anyway. If we make Google pay taxes, they're going to just stop like fucking doing business here. And it's like, well, okay, what have we lost? They don't pay us any fucking taxes. Yeah. Uh, and you know what I mean? Like, they and also, no, like they won't. 60 million people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, they won't. This is like, it's, it's still the seventh, worth, seventh or eighth by now wealthiest country in the world. Like, no, they won't stop doing business here. It's still too big an yeah, economy. It's, like, it's you know. ridiculous. Like, and it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, if you make Starbucks pay tax, they'll leave. And it's like, okay. Do you think they're the only people on earth that know how to like sell coffee? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there is the famous counterexample of what you're saying is like how no one wants to do business in China. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's that, that's why there's such a such a small bean economy uh, uh, still. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I, I do want to talk a bit, a little bit, Jordan, as well with you, just to get your view on this. And maybe I'm seeing this wrong, but I was reading a bit, and it does strike me that like. Royal Mail as a company does have some like structural problems that are not the fault of its workers, but like of just bigger forces in the economy. Like the six day guarantee, um, which that's like we will always deliver post six days a week before 3 yeah. p.m. Is that is that correct or just so? Yeah, I think it's still before 3 p.m. I'd like, I, I guess pushing the uh, the hours later would be um, 
coming up against that. So I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe it's changed from the three. But it's it's, it's essentially the royal universal. Yeah, the royal mail is obligated by law or statute to deliver mail six days a week. Yeah, we're the only ones that are obligated to do that. So it's like, uh, and and it's expensive to do because we also we don't charge more to go further. We have this one price, so you can you know, post a stamp in Brighton and it goes up to Scotland and it's got to be there the next day. And that costs the same as you know, a stamp going to like Brighton to Hull. Yeah, yeah. So it's, we're, it, we're the only company that's doing that. And that's, that's expensive and it puts us at a disadvantage in terms of competition. But it's an important service. Because it's a critical it benefits service. Everyone in the country. It, it's... Yeah, exactly. And it's why it's why we were created so to to facilitate that kind of uh, communication where uh, the physical mm. presence of that that communication is necessary. Is that is that a natural monopoly? I smell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's kind of a natural monopoly in the like we're the only ones that have to do that. But yeah. it's weird because it's not like the natural monopoly like the you know energy or or telecoms or train lines. Because it costs a lot to do it, so it's like a natural monopoly on something that's very difficult, and then the the profitable bits are open for competition. It's so I I don't I may just clarify this for me because I genuinely don't know this is like I mean I know there's other like there's not just like parcel companies like DPD and stuff uh, uh, out there, but there's are there also like similar services, but just like for straight up post, like can oh, can no, I get my no. my post delivered by? I don't know, UPS or some shit. No, no one else wants to do it. it. I mean, we've had 500 years to build up this infrastructure. And yeah. you've got to imagine, like, we need, there is a slot for every address in the country that you put a letter in at, an, at a Royal Mail office. And no other company has that kind of thing where there's like a dedicated little space for every address in the country. Yeah. And it takes a long time to build that up. And that's our biggest advantage is just sheer infrastructure and like just this accumulated knowledge of centuries of doing this. Well, I mean, I think this as a union puts you also in a much stronger position is that you are still in possession of infrastructure and knowledge that like... I don't know if they fired everybody tomorrow, even if they could. I mean, well, under list trust, we'll see whether or not they can. Um, <laughs> but like, even if they did, like, y- you still have plant. Like, UPS and DPD can't like build that infrastructure or even have that knowledge on how to shift like letters, as you say, from from Brighton to to um, Edinburgh the next day. Like that. That's a someone. That's... Someone will write an app. Right, yeah. they'll make an app for post, and like you go on and you register an account, and then when like you know someone nearby needs a letter delivered, you just turn up at their house, like, and they don't <laughs> know who you are, and you go, "I'm here for your letter," and then they trust you to take that letter and deliver it to like the fucking bank or some shit. You know what I mean? And it'd be and spelled it, L-E-T-R. Yeah, yeah, that would be absolutely fucking incredible because it's like I'm sure uh, you see you see people occasionally like giving the fucking dipshit opinion that well no one writes letters anymore and it's like yeah yeah you're right no one like no one writes letters anymore so we should just fucking like abolish the mail and like you know what i mean just let the letters like fuck just throw them in a river and hope they get where they're going enjoy ever <laughs> receiving your fucking pin number ever again you dipshit <laughs> <laughs> oh just not just that but like just the amount of christmas cards and birthday cards yeah. that genuinely just make some people's day that's a thing have they found a way to automate the fucking, like, reading the addresses? 
that, that yeah. the machine oh, can't yeah. read. Because I I did um I did like fucking like years ago, but I think when Labour was still in charge, I did fucking um a couple of Christmases of agency work where we were the like the people who had to data entry the addresses that the machine couldn't read because they were just like you know what i mean like someone had just written like fucking granddad on the card and we had to psychically like work out you go in the machine from the x-men and work out which person in the country that was meant for yeah well there's i mean that technology is always getting better and you've got the um like called the ilsms the intelligent letter sorting machines yeah that kind of can can do some of that and like good better better and better like you know text recognition software but yeah there is an awful lot of it that still is just done by hand it'd be a very very cyberpunk thing if someone figured out like you know they 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 fully automate the address reading and there's no more like you know there's no more fucking agency work when they need the rush at christmas to figure out which channel island someone meant when they just wrote channel island or whatever (laughs) and um someone you know you could you could then work out like how what the what the fucking shortcuts that ai was taken were and just hack the post so that like you know what i mean you post an envelope that just crashes crashes royal mail because the address is unreadable <laughs> in a specific you way or whatever inj- inject python with an, yeah with, an in- <laughs> with a postal address yeah do you know what i mean like just fucking address, address your letter to, to drop table or some shit like that <laughs> The Royal Mail equivalent of, of sending somebody uh, uh, a fax of a completely black page with a little bit of sticky tape, so it just kept looping through the machine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that job is uh, like fucking one of the fucking shittest. Like uh, even for agency work, it was fucking terrible because it was like obviously it, it wasn't. It was for Royal Mail, but the company that hired her wasn't actually Royal Mail. It was like some fucking outside agency, and it was like, oh no, you've got to do this like fucking many an hour otherwise we take you out back and shoot you as an example to the others <laughs> and like they had like it, it was over it was over towards Sunderland and they had like tons of like students doing it like over Christmas and they had like they had this one I, I can't remember where she was from but they had this one like foreign student who just did not grasp the the idea that like you know they gave you they gave you a target and they were like you've got to do this many like addresses an hour and she was doing that in like 40 minutes and then just like logging out to go and like stretch her legs. And they, they were going absolutely fucking berserk. And she couldn't like, she couldn't grasp that. Like, and it's like, no, no, this this is the culture. You see, they tell you, you've got to do this, but you, you're not allowed to take a break when you've finished. Do you know what I mean? You've got to keep fucking going. It was just, it was just ridiculous. But you could see the, you could see the fucking like anguish it was causing the managers because like they obviously didn't want to fire the fastest like person in the office <laughs> but at the same time they just couldn't like they just couldn't allow her to like take a break when she'd reached the fucking target give for the, the others ideas yeah hey, that's that's a trade unionist heart that is yeah <laughs> it was it was fucking it was great like but I mean, maybe I'm showing my internet age as well, but like, I remember the time when like you, it was briefly popular to send like, instead of an actual birthday card to send e-cards, like something you would click and then it would do like a shit opening animation of like, yeah. oh know, like, yeah, but that all died to death because it's just shit. Cause so, it's like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love that about like, I love that about like fucking the, uh, the rise of like fucking tech since the fucking like, since the, uh, the dot com like burst in the fucking late 90s is people just constantly on the the hunt to make things as shit as possible because it's fancy do you know what i mean like fucking where it's like oh you get an e-card and you have to sit down and watch it like animate opening the card and it's like 
yeah, okay, that's cool the first time you see it, but then fuck off, like, do you know what I mean? It's like the thing in, like, fucking, like, the, the, the computer in Jurassic Park, you know, where they're, like, flying through the 3D representation of yeah, the hard yeah. drive and everything. Like, yeah, that looks really cool, but imagine having to use that every day. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> drive you fucking insane. And that's just, that's just what tech is like. I mean, like, fucking websites are just unusable fucking nightmare portals now because it's more about, like, how can we monetize this shit rather than, like, how is the end user going to fucking, like, use it? I know. I recently logged into like my my Facebook account for like the first time in fucking three years or something. And what a fucking nightmare that home screen is! Like just oh, just my um, hell. My mom uses Facebook and she's constantly fucking like she'll go. Oh, did you see this thing on Facebook? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. I never log in. I only ever log into Facebook when like there's fucking there's beef. When there's beef and like, she'll be like, oh, did you see this thing? And I'm like, no. And she'll open the phone and she's like, well, it was just, it was the third thing. I'm like, the thing changes every time you open the app. Like the algorithm will not let you see the thing you saw an hour ago because like, you know, you won't, you won't like, they won't get money for showing you it twice. It's like, she just can't grasp it. It's like, well, why isn't it there? And it's like, because fucking money, it's not, it's not about you. It's not for you. Yeah. It's not. It's not for you. It's for the shareholders. Like, yeah. It's, it's just what they say. If if it's free, then you're the product. Yeah. It's in Facebook's case, it, it's free because racism is the product. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, Joe, that's that is sort of tangentially dragging us back to topic. That is something I wanted to to ask you. Well, I'm like, glad I could be useful well, for once. Is is um, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> is like what we always hear is like, oh, um, like people keep sending less posts, so like the the the, the amount of money people make, like the royal make from letters, keeps falling, but like more packages are sent. But then you have DPD and the others, the stuff that you were just discussing. But like, I have no idea whether or not that's true because I can't find any like statistics on on that well, good ones that I trust. The other thing is, the other thing is as well, though, does it fucking matter? Like, do you know what I mean? Suppose it is true and suppose, like, it, it's not profitable to deliver the post. It still needs to be fucking done. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I'm not like, arguing yeah. that it shouldn't be done. <laughs> it's but like, I'm just, no, like, but I know, I know you're not, but I'm just saying, like, if people are, like, people are always like, oh, well, like, uh, well, maybe you shouldn't have privatized the fucking thing if it's such a burden on the poor shareholders. They can just give it back. It's the same with the train lines, though. Like, yeah, they, they exactly. can't run them at a profit. And it's with like, the well, trains as well, it's, it's, it's always the same. It's always like, oh, no, it's, it's too unprofitable. We can't, like, fucking, we can't make things work properly because we'll not make enough. It's like, well, you know, just give it back to us, you thieving cunts. You know, <laughs> we're not forcing you to keep it. If it's such a fucking unbearable slog to run this fucking money fountain we've handed you out of the public pocket, then just hand it back. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, on that note, uh, I do want to say, like, um, you know, it, the the strike numbers have been pretty fucking incredible. On like a, it's a seventy two percent turnout with like ninety eight percent in favor, which is fucking crazy. Like that's that's <laughs> if you've heard numbers. that's a strike on, you're in favor of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, that that that's the second ballot, which was over the the terms and conditions, the change that was proposed. Uh, the first ballot was only, unfortunately, ninety-seven point six percent in favour of oh, a seventy-seven no. percent turnout. So, <laughs> and that second one, that seventy-two percent turnout, is oh no, that's not good. That's in the middle of like annual leave periods where people have just gone on holiday for three weeks. So <laughs> there's a lot of people just didn't get back in time to return their ballots and stuff like that. Yeah, I was so, reading about that. Is it is it correct that that you can only fill in your CWU ballot at home in private and that if you yes. do it in the office while people are looking it's not valid yeah. or some shit well, you can't take it out of the frame 
you've got to let it hit your doorstep, which has got us in trouble with, I think there's the 20, when was that? 2018 ballot. I think those, I think that was the 2018 one. Yeah, yeah, the then, 19 was the election season fucker. Yeah, fuckery. We, we were taken to court a second time. And I, I don't think there's anything in law that says you can't go on strike when there's an election on. But that's what the judge decided based on like no legal precedent or actual, you know, law. Those fucking judges, man. Enemies of the state. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the the whole thing with the whole thing with like union voting, where it's like, no, you've got you've got to drag the stone of vote up the mountain of ballot <laughs> to cast it personally. You're not allowed to like do it online. That would be insane. Well, that's the thing like, we we were talking about. My union's been talking about in, on social media, and that is that eighty five thousand people voted by post for these raw mail strikes, and some like eighty one thousand voted online for Liz Truss. Yeah, but that's but look, that's that's different though because they're just better people than you. <laughs> <laughs> Should just know your place. One of the one of those is a vote to take money out of the hands of shareholders, and the one yeah. of them is a vote to put money in the hands of shareholders. So there you go. It's just yeah. it's 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 immensely satisfying to me that they've spent like decades like fucking hamstringing union participation, and like you know it, this, everyone's still on strike this fucking summer. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Get it fucking up here, neoliberalism. <laughs> Jordan, unless you have more to say, I want to move towards wrapping it up and we'll play a quick round of comment or commentary at because we haven't done that in a while and I figure let's end on a, you know, insane note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, why, uh, why spoil the perfect fucking run we've been having. Yeah, well, I, I, I will... I will... <laughs> I will say that I, I see on the notes you've got about the 6,000, let's just say, agency workers that have been... Scabs. I, I wrote scabs. It's, I said scabs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's language I'm not allowed to use on the picket line. So I would just say, other no, workers. you're not, but we are scabs. Yeah. We, can, yeah. we can yell it from the sidelines, though. I, I'll come down. I'll come down to the picket line and say it. I do not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, one thing I will say is everyone in the country is likely to have a picket line near to them. So, uh, so Rob, I expect to see you in Dover. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but. You know, there's you know delivery offices all over the country. There's sorting offices dotting around. There's you know like a distribution centres and all that kind of thing. Workshops. You will have a picket line near to you on you know the eighth and ninth of September and the thirtieth of September and the first of October. We love getting support from the public. We've had you know uh, councillors even you know, labour councillors have come along. Oh no, dropped off. That's usually a very bad <laughs> a bad sign if labour councillors get involved. But I'm I'm assuming there are some good ones left. Yeah, there are some good ones, and like, these are these are people I know because I've been like, active in the local parties and that, and I'm like the the uh, political officer for my branch, so and, and so I know a lot of these people, and they've dropped off like uh, you know like the big boxes of crisps you get like, multi, like massive yeah. ones full of multi packs. They've been dropping those off and big like uh, crates of uh, like Coke and Fanta and stuff like that. We've had people dropping off you know like cakes they've made personally or like stuff they've picked up for the bakery section of the local supermarket stuff like that people just turning up and saying they support us and we we massively appreciate that too um i know in my branch we've been, we've given every picket line a little portable bluetooth speaker and there's been like music on the on the picket lines and and where it's nice. not like on the on private land where there's you know a bit of a fire risk because we've had such a dry summer people have been having barbecues and stuff like that so we've, we've tried to make them as fun as possible 
we love the public support. Much like the RMT, along. you are also committed to beating up uh, scabs and passengers as they walk by, right? Because I, <laughs> yeah. I heard that on the news. Yeah, get that, get that Doctor Robotnik looking fucker. <laughs> <laughs> that that guy that was like, oh no, I went, I walked past the picket line and the cowards didn't assault me. It's like, are you on fucking glue, mate? You know was, I mean? was it? Was it Cade Burley or someone like that? Yeah. It was like, there's, uh, what are you going to do if people try to cross the picket? And like, immediately like, what do you think we'll do? We'll picket them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he said, I'll say that the, the 6,000 uh, people that have been hired, uh, good Scabs. luck with the 115,000 that are going to be on strike. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they can do the same amount of hours. That that shouldn't be a problem. Like they'll just, yeah, you know, that that'll that'll be a real efficiency boost. Yeah, the the comradely the comradely thing for those like agency workers to do would be just like fucking hide the post. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just get paid, but like don't deliver anything. No one's going to check. You're only so, there for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? If if uh, I can just talk briefly about, the, I don't know if you saw the the anti trade union laws are brought in that allow them to bring in agency workers to cover the work of uh, yeah. striking people that was signed into law by, I think, they, the new chancellor. Yeah, it, it, it was already signed into law. It was Kwasi Kwarteng who proposed yeah. it. And yeah, yeah, it's past parliament, yeah. Yeah, so like that that was you know brought in so that the, those, those people could, could come in and try to replace us. Um, Obviously, as I said, like 6,000 people is not going to cover the, the 100,000. I know there was some talk of, uh, of Royal Mail people signing up to do those jobs and just not turning up, which I thought was quite, yeah. quite a, 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 a funny funny approach to take. Yeah, if, you, if, but, if, you, if you're listening to this, uh, don't sign up to be a scab and then not turn up. That'd be terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> this podcast cannot endorse this. I did that with, uh, was it, oh, I can't remember what company, was it Nestle, um, some factory in the US, like they were trying to hire scabs. And, oh, and TikTok uh, they just teams. the website. Yeah, yeah. TikTok yeah. teams just went mad applying for jobs with just like fake names. Yeah, get the, uh, get the fucking K-pop like army onto it. <laughs> anyway, uh, of course, from, you know, from our solidarity to, to yours, uh, you know, we, we think strikes are cool and good. And uh, if you have time, yeah, definitely drop by your, your local uh, picket line um, and bring them cake if you can or, or other delicious things. Bottled water if it's hot. Yeah. I imagine would be a fucking good one. One of my local offices uh, down Ramsgate Way, the, the, the workers were actually 100% not involved in this because there's really strict things about what you can do on a picket line and we've been following the rules like to the letter because we don't need to break the rules to to yeah. you know break this but there's like activist members of the public uh <laughs> that had a sit-in across the the where all the mail was being like taken in and out and refused to move and the police were called in and they asked our members like this is nothing to do with us um i'm obviously 100 percent not endorsing that but it was very funny that's what i will say <laughs> exactly yeah but because because they've closed a lot of offices and just like operating things out of these what they call they're calling hubs where to get the, but this was one of the hubs that could absolutely not work because the public would not let it happen um, <laughs> nice yeah so so neither an action jordan, i cannot endorse legally. neither jordan nor this podcast endorses the cool crime of civil disobedience <laughs> It used to be a crime, but now it's an option for business. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. Well, on that note, uh, shall we do a quick round of comment or commentary and then we uh, close this uh, yes, into a long... <laughs> I thought I thought we'd almost got away with it then. No, I, thought, I think this might be my first comment or commentary. Yeah. Or um, I have a terrible memory. This is, a, this is about Boris departing uh, number 10. He took Carrie's hand, almost dragging the poor woman into a lamppost, <laughs> got into the car, got into the car as the first leaf of autumn fell into the shot, then drove off into the sunset to the sweet consolation that he's finally free of that wretched wallpaper. How do you follow that? Commentaria. Commentaria. That's... I'm saying, I'm going with comment. That's too saccharine. <laughs> no, well, it, it feels like if it was common, it would be liberal and guardian, but it's not liberal. No, it's not. It's Tim Stanley writing in the Telegraph. Um... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. And, and speaking of, of the workforce, a child born in 1967 would be 55 today, so would still be of working age. Since the legalization of abortion in 1967, over 9 million babies... <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> over 9 million babies have been aborted, and we wonder why we have a chronic labor shortage. <laughs> Is it because fuck you? Do we have a labour shortage? Oh, imagine if we had nine million more slaves, though. You know, <laughs> a comment or commentaria? Commentaria. Yeah, comment commentaria. I'm going to say comment on that one. Ah, so close, but it was Anne Whittacombe writing in the Express. <laughs> Fucking oh yeah, okay, the yeah, ex- Anne Whittacombe. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think the Express is like the closest to comment that you get. Because it no, is... that would be conservative no, woman. That would be conservative. <laughs> <laughs> if we let influencing become a viable career path, we are also setting ourselves up for a very large, very painful fall. Who will replace our hips when they go? Who will stack our supermarket shelves? <laughs> who will who will deliver our meals on wheels? After all, these are the kids who one day will be shoving us into our nursing homes, filming every dribble, reeling every fall, and hashtagging every whiskery chin and drooping jowl. This had better be fucking commentary up because if someone's registered an account on a website to type this whole shit for free, then like I'm I'm losing faith in humanity. I vaguely remember hearing this one, so I, it must be commentary up, please. Alistair? Let's go with commentary out then. It is. It's Clemmy Moody riding in the sun. <laughs> also, the answer to those questions is like, you know, who who will fucking like do dentist work in the future or whatever? ASMR people on YouTube? You know what I mean? Like... Help, my daughter is live tweeting my heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> For real though, every time I'm on YouTube, it's it's like it's like, oh, do you want to watch like a fucking cranial nerve examination? And I'm like, no. And it's, you know, it's not even a real one. It's like some fucking ASMR guy doing it or something. And I'm like, why? You know, it's just baffling. Like, it's basically like a parallel medical industry that does it just for fun. You know? And when oh, the yeah, NHS... I'm a paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when the NHS collapses, just get those guys in. It'll be fine. Uh, all right. This is about the... Uh, apparently, there were some fireworks displays or something at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe. 
No one right. seems to know the reason. Pyrotechnics are now deemed offensive to the sensitivities of the vulnerable, oh. low-lying islands in Brendan, Brendan, yeah, is this Brendan, Brendan, Brendan. <laughs> in the Indian Ocean to send up the to send up into the air such vi- obvious visual metaphors for global warming. Fire in the sky. It's Brendan, it's fucking Brendan. Uh, I think it's Brendan. Yeah, it, it's Brendan or one of that crowd. Like it could be fucking. It could, what's that fucking like prick? Little John, that's exactly who I was thinking of there. Could be him. Could be fucking Clarkson, maybe even. Actually, Clarkson, Brendan or Clarkson, because they they both like uh, like fantasizing about people that don't yeah. exist. It'd be a rare Little John column that didn't complain about the Pink Mafia. Well, I I, I had to drop a Clarkson quote from from it this week because it didn't make the cut. It wasn't crazy enough in the end. Uh, no, this was a comment on conservative woman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And that commenter was Brendan O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last round. Conservatives are losing working class voters in droves. Tell the police to stop doing the Macarena in rainbow paint in rainbow face paint and start investigating burglaries and you might win some of those voters back. Oh, uh, I actually I actually <laughs> saw this on Twitter, I think. Is this someone on Twitter? Does that count as comment now? <laughs> <laughs> How many people do they think are getting burgled? I say this as someone who has been burgled. It doesn't happen to that. I mean, who? However many, how many people? Like the number of burglaries committed has no bearing on how many police actually investigate burglaries because it's none. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? If you've ever, if you've ever had to call the police because something was broken into, you'll know from experience that they don't fucking help. No, they, yeah. they turn up a day later. Yeah, you get a crime number. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so you can claim on the insurance. Yeah. I had a guy. I had a guy genuinely asked me once, like fucking, like, when I when he, he asked me if I knew my car got broken into and some CDs got nicked from outside my house, and the the copper that turned up like two days later was like, "Do you know who did it?" It's like if I knew who did it, would I be ringing you? That's that's your fucking <laughs> that's your role in this pantomime, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? And he was like, "Well, I could get someone out to take fingerprints, but I I, I don't know. Do you want me to?" I was like, "For fuck's sake!" Like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> call, just call unbelievable CSI. <laughs> oh like I, do i have to yeah just <laughs> the c in csi stands for cd so yeah <laughs> it's a convenient coincidence what does the c in cd stand for though uh csi crime <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so my crime disc yeah <laughs> my crime dot disc yeah um, csi stands for crime disc stealing investigation <laughs> Anyway, is this co- is this comment or commentary at? Oh God! Which is what? The oh, uh, yeah, right, the yeah. Macarena and Rainbow. I, I, re- I reckon Jamie's story is commentary at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it was fucking. It was um, it was fucking Peston that turned up to investigate my car being broken into. <laughs> and he just said, "Wow!" And then he did what with the CDs? Yeah. <laughs> What could this? What could this mean? Looking at the broken window. No, I, actually, I, it's a lot. It's 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 unfair of me to say that policeman did nothing useful. He explained to me that the way to break a car window without anyone hearing it is to, to not do it and earn your CDs through hard work. So important tip there for anyone that wants some CDs out of their neighbor's fucking like. Fall, do you know what I mean? Probably gonna yeah. have to. Probably gonna have to cut this for for safekeeping. But, I think. But you but you do run the risk of having Gary Sinise turn up at your house. That's this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, yeah, by the way, that was Alison Pearson writing in the Telegraph. And I think with that, we can just about wrap it up. We've been only been going for two hours. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> but what a two hours it was. <laughs> anyway, Jordan, is there anything you wish to say and do and or plug apart from being cool and showing solidarity on the posty strikes? Yeah, I will say show solidarity to UCU. I think ballot in now they have an aggregated ballot over their pension terms, conditions and pay. Keep showing solidarity with the rail unions because they're still striking. Show solidarity with the BT group. It's also part of the CWU and the post office strikes also part of the CWU. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Jordan Hartley 89 on Twitter. Follow Comradio at Comradio UK. Uh, uh, follow Ale at Ale underscore collective. Yeah, we'll put links to all this stuff in the uh, show notes if we remember. Uh, CW doesn't have a strike fund, but plenty of other unions do. So look up the UCU, the RMT ones, and just just keep back in your local striking workers. Yeah, because yeah. if you don't remember, they're going to come for you next. Also, join a union. A good one, not a scab union. Fucking com- com- don't join community. Don't don't join Good Morning Britain. <laughs> <laughs> If if they don't have recognition, don't join us, door either. Yeah, uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Praxiscast, uh, where you can get more episodes. We have a t-shirt and apparel shop. We'll link in the show notes because I've forgotten the address because David usually does this stuff. Um, there it's, is um, praxiscast.tmail.com. Uh, it probably is. There's also streams. We're now doing Stellaris, I think. We do no. This week it's fucking Terraria, and then next week it's Stellaris. Yeah, and also uh, listen to the podcast piece at home. The music is fantastic. I cannot yeah. speak for the rest of it. Yeah, no one knows who the music's by though. No. Yeah, <laughs> just listen. Listen to the music at the start, and then turn it off. <laughs> and, and then wonder on the mystery of who wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to the whole episode and still not find that out. <laughs> It talks on you because we we got that in at the start this week. <laughs> everyone, everyone remembered their own name, and then we said Jordan did the music. It was fucking perfect. <laughs> so enjoy it because it'll not happen again. Yeah. <laughs> so go go check out piece at home featuring rare items of competence, um, and we will see you again next week. Bye. Yeah. See you. Bye, Bye. everyone.